As usual, I asked our guest Sean Siegel and Hilal Chami to pound the table for someone this offseason. Sean, who you pounded the table for? Well, I'm, I'm going to go against everything that we're going to talk about here in a second and pick Antonio Gibson. <laughs> right? We have, we have Akers, Swift, Dobbins. Those guys are going in round two. Gibson going in round three. He's a better size speed specimen. He scored more points. He averaged more yards per carry. He's, you know, he was second to Dobbins in fantasy points over expectation. You know, he did that despite you know, being their only weapon, getting a lot of Renzo carries, things that and sometimes can hold your efficiency down. And then you know, right before he got injured, I just released an article projecting him to be a first-round pick in 2021. Not that he should be, and we'll talk about that, I think, later on the show. But he was coming off of a stretch with five straight RB1 finishes, and they finally just unleashed him as a receiver in that Week 12 contest where he scored 36 points. If he doesn't have the injury, he's going much early, maybe in the first round, like I had projected. I think if you get him there in the third, you want to go ahead and uh, take that rare risk at running back. I love it. I love it, Sean. Yeah, that guy, I thought coming out of school, I thought he would catch a million balls this rookie season. I am ready for that to be unleashed. Talal, how about you? Who you pounded the table for? The funny thing is, I literally had two players... And Sean just took my first pick, which is Antonio <laughs> Gibson. So luckily I had a backup player, which he also mentioned, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, basically everything that we're looking for with someone like um, that average draft position. Um, and I do think that he's going to get a lot more work a lot earlier on with TD upside. Uh, Lamar can't keep it up the way that he's currently going with his rushing volume i think that they're finally going to have to shift gears a little bit and dobbins is the guy to do it awesome awesome you heard it here go get you some antonio gibson and some jk dobbins now let's get to the show welcome everyone to the most accurate podcast i am your humble host brandon niles co-hosting today is the always awesome jen akins jen I hope things are starting to thaw out for you where you're at. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Actually, we were in the 60s here in Denver, so plenty of thaw out. Uh, it's fantastic, actually. I'm doing well. Thanks. Nice. Nice. I'm excited. We're going to uh, go over some zero wide receiver, zero running back strategy today, which is going to be fun. As I mentioned in the cold open, we're excited to be joined by not one, but two awesome guests today. We've got Sean Siegel and Hilal Chami uh, to talk fantasy draft strategy, hit on some of, some of the topics around the league that Jen brought. You can find Sean on Twitter at FF underscore Contrarian and at the best website name in the world, moneyinthebananastand.com. Uh, you can read his stuff at Rotoviz. He was the 2013 NFFC primetime grand champion and is the first person I ever saw advocating for zero running back way back in the day. Sean, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing today? Awesome. It's fun to be here. And, it, you know, zero running back, I think we have so much now and the we have cliche with it it's going to be fun to talk with halal and you guys about the different strategies get some context and the thing that i always really like to emphasize is that people should draft in the ways that allow them to win they should draft doing the things that they're good at and they should pick the players that they want so you know we'll talk about zero running back zero wide receiver how we think drafts should go but the main thing is you want to draft your team the way that benefits you I love it. I love it. Don't forget the eye on the prize. I like that. Excellent, excellent advice. Uh, as I mentioned, we're also psyched to be joined by Halal Chami. You can find Halal on Twitter at HJChami. You can find his stuff everywhere, including fantasyfootballking.com, uh, player profiler, battle zero 2020. He's a big part of on Twitter. He's on the opposite end of the strategy spectrum as a big zero wide receiver advocate. Halal, I sure appreciate you having you today. Uh, how are you today? Thank you. That's the best introduction I've ever had. Love it. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's what that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. Um, Brandon's I, good like that. Yeah, I'm shocked. <laughs> I want to hire you. Uh, thank you so much uh, again for coming. I wanted to kind of break the ice a little with a little segment I like to call Speed or Terminator. This is I'm I'm a product of the '90s, and I remember my Terminator movies and my Speed movies. And this is where we select a player who had a breakout season last year, and we guess whether or not their 2021 sequel is going to be a hit like Terminator 2 or a bomb like Speed 2 Cruise Control. Uh, Jen, why don't you kick us off? Who is your uh, you know, sequel candidate, and what are you predicting? Well, my sequel candidate is uh, falls in the speed category, the womp womp. <laughs> Um, I'm going with one Russell Gage. Not ah. that he was not that he was a huge, huge breakout, but he I think ended up, let's see, he was wide receiver 37 in total half PPR points. So I mean he was a you know three plus for uh you know wide receiver. And I think it was kind of I think it was a, a momentary deal. I think this year obviously we got Julio back. You know, he was only there for seven games last year. You've got Matt Ryan is not getting any younger. The O-line's not great, you know, and I think that I think he's going to kind of I think people are going to draft him based on that and they're going to draft him as a wide receiver three slash four. And I think he's more in the, you know, five, six territory. I know uh, in our in our never too early rankings on four for four, John Paulson, John Paulson has him as wide receiver 64. And I, I kind of agree that he's definitely in that in that, you know, in the, in the 50, 60 range as opposed to the 30, 40 range. Awesome, awesome. So you're saying that if you're expecting Russell Gage to be Keanu Reeves, you may end up with Jason Patrick. Exactly. Excellent, excellent. Halal, did you bring someone uh, a sequel candidate today? Uh, I've got one of each. So let's excellent. go with a Terminator sequel for Brandon Ayuk. Oh. Ooh. Go with your go with your speed sequel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, speed sequel Justin Jefferson. Ooh, these these are both saucy and spicy. I like it. <laughs> All I do is saucy and spicy. So, uh, I really didn't prepare as much um, stats to back it up. I feel a little outmatched here. Um, but basically, I'm looking at where they were drafted, where people value them, and where they're going to end up next year. Um, and looking at just distribution of targets, looking at schedule building, and everything that we're going to see. Um, from the Vikings with Justin Jefferson, I really don't think that Dalvin Cook's going to miss as much time. I think that they're going to um, run the ball as much as they can. So just volume's going to go down in general. Um, and then Ayuk, kind of the opposite. We never got to see a healthy Shanahan 49ers offense, and eventually we'll get there. Maybe. Yeah, we've got Justin Jefferson, never too early rankings, number eight amongst receivers. And in our Dynasty Top 200, he is number nine overall that George Criticos put out there. So I love it. That's fantastic. Uh, Sean, maybe stepped a little on your Ayuk, but uh, who's, who's your guy? Yeah, so I, I pretty much guarantee that we're going to disagree later, but it is fun that Gibson and Ayuk are our guys here. <laughs> Ayuk, 18.4 points per game, right, from week seven on. Only Adams, Diggs, Hill, and Allen averaged more from that point. And, you know, like he was saying, he did that all with a backup QB last year. And this is just on a handful of attempts, but he averaged 10.5, uh, 10.4 adjusted yards per attempt from Garoppolo. So Garoppolo did that throwing to him only 6.1 from Mullins. And so, you know, everything about that suggests that he has a floor that he can keep going from. You know, he's a receiver who handles all the different areas he's a very good intermediate threat and then a great run after the catch kind of guy they're going to manufacture some targets for him too and just looks like a true superstar so we're looking at all the different elements that you want for a guy to back up an exciting rookie season 
Ayuk has what you know what you're looking for. Definitely a game breaker. Seems like a kind of guy who can make big plays in that offense where they absolutely need it. Jen, are are you buying Ayuk as well? It sounds like we've got two guests who are. I am absolutely. Yeah, he's uh, he's up there. I don't know. I can't remember where his ADP is right now. If I look real quick in one of the uh, best balls that I'm in, he went in the fourth. So I think a lot of people are buying him this season too. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I I picked Logan Thomas. I don't know why I've been picking tight ends lately, but uh, I think he's going to have a Terminator two type of sequel. He was the tight end seven in fantasy points last year. Team's going to get better in the offseason, whether it's through an upgrade at quarterback or just natural progression since they're so young. He averaged 10 targets over his final five games of the season. I got to feel like his emergence that came on is legit. He's, he is 29 years old, but I, I think he's going to have a couple good seasons. So uh, older than I thought. I know he's been a journeyman. Uh, Jen, you brought some news stories today, right? I do. I've got a couple for us. Uh, new story number one. So so, okay, everyone right now these days, we're talking about trades with Deshaun Watson, trades with Russell Wilson. Are they going to happen? Well, me personally, my favorite quarterback to talk about is one Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yes. So he's come out and said that he thinks he can be a starter. He wants to play, right? So all the guy does is steal young quarterbacks' jobs, goes in there, <laughs> busts out like four to six ridiculous fantasy, you know, weeks, and then either gets benched or, you know, whatever happens, right? So my question is this, right? So this season, you know, whose young soul will he, will he crush in 2021? And where, and where will he go? Um, we can start with Sean. What, what do you think? Well, he, I mean, he's got to play, right? He's the most fun quarterback. Or, I mean, he's the most fun quarterback who's not a star. So you want to see him out there. As a Chiefs fan, you know, we're still very thankful to him for beating the Patriots in Week 17 the year before to get the Chiefs that bye, set them up to, uh, to win the Super Bowl, become the best team in football. And, you know, from a fantasy perspective, you want a guy who moves the ball. And that was the thing we saw with the Dolphins last year is that he could move the ball. The rookie quarterback struggled to do so. And, and he was actually so good that now people are questioning how good that rookie is, who everybody thought was going to be, be this absolute star coming in. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, very, it seems very likely that he will do that to Wilson or Lance this season. And Halal, what do you think? Is there, do you see a spot for him or somewhere he can do that? I have not looked into it, but I would love him to join the Carolina Panthers. That'd be the Ooh. perfect fit for him, I think. With every weapon that they have on offense combined with that defense, I think Fitzpatrick would fit in very well over there. So I think Fitzpatrick would fit in very well over there. Oh, I actually would stick, you know, way to kind of either let Locke grow another year or move on from Locke or whatever they decide to do. Brandon, do you have anywhere you'd like to see him, or are you... Uh... Out on Fitzpatrick? <laughs> I look at the team. I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I'm a Dolphins fan. And and I, I, he's, just, he's just so <laughs> much fun. Uh, I remember when he uh, started with the Rams, I remember rooting for him in like the mid-aughts, which is always fun. Uh, you know, what, what I look at is I look at teams that are, aren't drafting in the top 10 and maybe kind of looking at like a second-tier uh, quarterback prospect that they're going to be trying to mold in. So I'm looking at like New England and Chicago. Both those teams probably won't be in position to take one of the top four, top five guys. Maybe maybe Mac Jones. Uh, maybe viewing their quarterback prospect as someone who's a year or two away. Fitzpatrick, I think, would be a perfect bridge quarterback for either one of those teams. That makes sense to me. Um, all right, well, moving on to our second uh, second news story here. Uh, so the NFL seems to be um, a go here for expanding to 17 games. So they've had they've had 16 since 1978. Um, so what they're proposing, I guess, is the preseason is going to be cut to either two or three games. There's still going to be a bye, and then the Super Bowl will be moved to the second week in February. 
And in this plan, it includes, you know, plans for possible international games outside of, say, Mexico and the UK. They're looking at like Japan, Germany, you know, a couple other places. Are you guys into this? Are you not into this? I mean, for fantasy purposes, is that a hindrance? I mean, we can go backwards around the horn. Brandon, what do you, how do you feel? Uh, you know, I'm such a weird traditionalist. Like, I just think to myself, what's that going to do to records? Like, I know it happened 30 years ago or 40 years ago now almost, but I, you know, I'm just like, why are we doing this? We don't need to do this. I know they want more money, but I feel like the NFL is perfect uh, from a fantasy <laughs> perspective. Well, per- perfect the way it's set up. I'm, I'm going to all say that anyway. Uh, but the, uh, you know, from a fantasy perspective, I, I think I'll just be uh, durability might become that much more important or you might have to start looking at things the way basketball does where, you know, are we going to have like a midseason two week break for guys if they have an early bye week or something? That's probably the only thing I'll look at. Other than that, it's just another week, another week to play fantasy, which is fun. Yeah, I mean, Halal, you got any other thoughts? I'm Are you in? totally on board with another week to play fantasy. One of my jokes for fantasy is I hate earning a bye week because then I miss out on an entire week of football. Uh, <laughs> so that's why I never come in first in my division. You know, that's right. the only reason. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> by design, for, I like it. Exactly. It's all by design. Um, but for actual health reasons, I'd love it if they could squeeze in a second bye week. I know it'd be sort of yeah. chaotic for actual fantasy management but i would love just for players to get an extra week off and then we might have them healthier for all 16 slash 17 games that's interesting but you're right it would be pretty nightmarish to uh try to figure out rosters that way Uh sean you got how how are you feeling which side are you on yeah well i i like the idea of the second bye week but i it doesn't necessarily sound like they're going to do that i you would like to see them do things for the players if they're doing some things to you know line their pocketbooks even more I think that the possibility here, assuming you know that we do have an extra week of fantasy, is that hopefully now we won't have those situations that we've had the last couple of years where there are a lot of different formats that still are actually in semifinals or finals or have already gone to that when a team is having a bye. You know, if you're in a dynasty league that has two conferences or something like that. And so the worst thing in the world is having to try and schedule your team around a bye week that is coming during a play week, playoff week for fantasy. So maybe it'll help us avoid that. But the number one thing is just to get more fantasy out there. Yeah, I can't argue too much with that. The idea of more fantasy being good, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> Folks, early bird pricing for 2021 4 for 4 memberships are available. Don't hesitate to sign up early and capitalize on the ever-growing off-season content we bring you day in and day out. Check out Classic, Pro, and DFS embedding memberships up to 25% off right now. See 4for4.com slash plans for details. Let's shift, uh, let's shift to our main segment today because it's a little bit more inclusive and a few more uh, topics that I want to cover uh, than usual. So I want to kind of get to it a little bit early. Uh, zero running back versus zero receiver. I want to talk about these two strategies, what they are, how they worked last year, whether or not we've got them next year. Um, let's start out. Hello, you. I know you as the zero wide receiver guy. Would you care to kind of elaborate? Give us kind of the cliff's notes on what that strategy is. Cliff Notes version is I just feel like running backs are the gold standard for fantasy football and every other position is converted into the currency that is running back. So why not just go straight for what you build your team around? And that's been my strategy since the beginning. That makes sense. And counterpoint, Sean, from the zero running back perspective. Well, you know, in terms of of what it is and what we're trying to do, I like to make sure that we start with four wide receivers and a tight end in that first five rounds. And that's sort of the 
the the soft version of it and then you know if, if the draft falls in the right way certainly would go much more extreme uh blair andrews and i drafted a, a team in the ffpc main event last year where our first running back came in round 11 and we were lucky enough and you always have to emphasize luck as well when you're successful we were lucky enough to to win that main event league finish 31st overall and you know, you, you look at that and you think, well, it must have had James Robinson because he was the real zero RB hero last year, or at least Darren Waller, that huge, you know, tight end production for you. But it really didn't work that way. What you're trying to do with your running back, and the thing that I always encourage people to do, because I think that when people struggle with it, the thing that they're not doing often is drafting enough wide receivers. They'll start with a few wide receivers and then they'll get scared and pivot. And it doesn't really work very well that way. The last thing you want to do is start taking running backs in the running back dead zone but if you can get six you know if you can get six of those top 15 wide receivers that's always the goal now you know are you going to be able to achieve that simply by taking a bunch of wide receivers you know maybe you still don't but this team that that we drafted was julio hopkins ridley brown Diggs, and fuller and one of the things to emphasize one of the reasons why you know we do zero running back is to avoid all of these running back landmines but that doesn't mean the wide receivers don't also get hurt or have bad seasons and when we saw michael thomas come off of that epic season and do nothing for people last year our team looked set right it has those six wide receivers that were kind of in that top 15 range and then julio goes down fuller gets suspended we still have the four guys and if you're in a league where you can start four wide receivers then you know that's really kind of still what you're looking for you need to have those four studs to plunk in there and, and score all the points for you. And that's really what zero RB is, is trying to make sure that in that range, say between pick seven and pick 70, where wide receivers score so many more points than running backs do, that you're putting together a team that has the most points that it represents. And then you have a lot of flex, flexibility to manage the chaos of the rest of the season. So Halal, uh, when you're going counters to that strategy and you're locking up those backs early on, um, how hard is it do you think to find wide receivers in the middle i think that's actually the wide receiver sweet spot um that's where guys like brandon Ayuk are being drafted and so that's what i'm banking on is not drafting Ayuk as my fourth wide receiver but my number one after three running backs or depending on how we define zero running back or zero wide receiver how many rounds that is so to speak on the topic i actually battle zero that you talked about earlier that's in my bio i've been running a zero wide receiver versus zero running back experimental league since 2016 and it's 14 or 12 teams depending on the year battling each other where the first six rounds you cannot draft a running back or a wide receiver and then you pivot and so we actually play in real leagues and we record who wins Um, And so I actually have 2016 and 2017 as zero wide receiver wins, 2018 as a zero running back win, 2019 is back to zero wide receiver, and then this past year was a zero running back win, according to this experimental league where we actually play against each other every week and have a championship. Those are really cool results. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, well, I, you know, it's funny because when you're talking about this, I'm one of those weird people that's kind of a, you know, namaste, zen, let the draft come to me. You know, I'm not a go in with with one specific strategy. I mean, it depends, of course, on where you are in a draft. It also depends on 
you know, what type of draft you're doing, right? Whether it's redraft, best ball, you know, that all comes into play. I mean, if you're in the front of the draft, you're, you're you know, going to lead towards running backs. If you're, if you're, you know, in the middle to late, then you're going to, you know, so I'm one of those people that, that actually lets the draft come to me. Um, I know there's not a lot of us out there. It seems like a lot of people feel like they need to plant their flag on one or the other. Uh, I, I'm kind of a both. It just depends on who's there. It depends on opportunity costs. It depends on, you know, what you want to do. I mean, I will say I was looking a little bit, I, I just finished up a best ball article on roster construction and uh, I found it interesting that like the bulk of the top 12, uh, the top 12 scoring wide receivers last year came from, came from rounds three through five. So, you know, what Sean was talking about, or uh, yeah, what Sean was talking about earlier. It's like, if you want to do all that right there, it, it that's where the bulk of them came from. And I know some people, you know, think that the bulk, you know, is in the more in the seven to 12 round, but it, you know, at least last year, that's where those guys came from. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So that advocates like not pivoting away once you start with that to make sure that you right. gather them up, like what Sean had mentioned. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things that, that I think is kind of interesting, we hear all the time that wide receiver is deep. And I think that functionally, that's not really the case. We have all this great information from these best ball leagues that have been going um, since 2015, or if you're looking at FFPC data from 2017. And one of the things you go and you look at that information from 2015 through 2020. So you have a, a pretty decent number of years there. From round seven to round 11, you have 52 slots with zero or negative win rates for wide receiver selections. Eight are positive. Of those, all of them are just 0.1 or 0.2. By contrast, you have 14 wide receivers, or 14 running backs, uh, sorry. By contrast, you have 14 that are minus 0.7 or more. So essentially, the wide receivers in round seven through 11 it's almost all neutral or negative, but they're also getting crushed in a lot of those situations, and, and basically nothing is positive. Now, this doesn't mean that there haven't been any picks in that range that have been successful, but when you look at the six years together, it's very dark for wide receivers in this exact range that a lot of the running back heavy drafters are going for. And so, and then conversely, you can get running backs a little bit later, I think, than what people realize. You're pulling up the FFPC one for a second, for example, from 2017 to 2020, there have been 23 running backs with a win rate above 15%. 11 of them came from the top 80 selections, but 12 had ADPs outside the top 80. So I think that while both things can work, and certainly if you're a good drafter, and if Halal is drafting for me and wants to go zero wide receiver, you know, someone like that, I have no problem with it. But I think that when we're looking at some of the rhetoric that's out there, it doesn't actually match what the data is in terms of wide receivers and running backs and what happens as you get later into the draft. Yeah, that's interesting. I, do you think that there's a factor of like running backs get hurt and more so than a receiver, a backup may step in and become an RB1, whereas like on a receiver, it's not often such a, such a clear path. And I know it's changing a little bit, but do you think that's a factor? I do. I don't think it's the only factor, but it's definitely something that comes into play. And one of the things when you look at these zero running back win rates, you find that they're actually pretty crazy in best ball leagues. And that's surprising because normal redraft leagues should be better for running backs with the different kind of options or better for zero running backs, better for late running backs than best ball leagues because of the different options you have that you don't really have with a static roster. Yeah, I think that the major issue here is we have to start a lineup each week. Um, and with a wide receiver, maybe you can stream off the waiver wire here and there. 
in a regular redraft league and in best ball, you're always going to get your guys, you know, in the right order, obviously. Um, and like he's saying, if someone gets injured, you just throw in the next best running back that doesn't work for wide receiver. There's no wide receiver handcuffs except maybe a couple in the league total, and they still don't ever produce the same as a running back would as a handcuff. So reviewing last year, Halal, let's start with you. Um, your strategy, obviously, you said that you've been do- done a lot of research um, across the board on what's been working and that last year was a-, a zero running back year. What worked for you last year looking at uh, all the leagues you probably were participating in in the mocks? Like, What were some of the targets that panned out and some of the things that didn't, and would you have done anything differently? Let's see. As far as my favorite leagues, my favorite picks are still guys like Jonathan Taylor and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, even though they were busts for their ADP. Uh, They still did what I expected them to do from a non-fantasy perspective. Um, A lot of my research involves offensive line schedule and trying to look at roster construction scheme, everything. And so I had in a championship game, I had in a championship game, Jonathan Taylor in play for me um, in one of my favorite leagues, but I still ended up losing because of just how the scoring played out. Uh, But I think that a lot of fantasy football is still luck-based and just getting to the playoffs or getting to the championship game does mean a lot. And like Sean said, um, I would let him draft me as your running back team as well. Um, because there's just it, it. The funniest thing about Sean and I is we had the same picks on our Antonio Gibson and our Ayuk, and then <laughs> yeah. opposite. You know, we're starting on opposite ends and already meeting totally halfway. So there has to be some sort of draft the right players, not the right position going on that we haven't quite figured out. When I'm literally saying the opposite ideal of what he's <laughs> saying, and we're picking the same players. Um, that's pretty cool actually that's just something i wanted to make sure i brought up before the show ended but yeah i got a little sidetracked um but yeah i mean it's it's tough to say i do play on the the battle zero league i'll play zero running back or zero wide receiver depending on because we like have to fill the slots um and i i enjoy zero running back as well i mean i won with james connor in was that 2019 or 2018 because it really depends on Who's the lowest ADP who succeeds at the highest rate? Is he a wide receiver? Is he a running back? I won with Michael Thomas in whichever year that was, 2016, I think. Um, And so it kind of depends on who's the big breakout that year that it happens and what position they happen to be. That's a good point. And Sean, you brought up James Robinson a little bit ago. Uh, You said that the the positive... you know, winners from the zero running back perspective, you would assume had to be James Robinson, but you said that wasn't really the case. What did you find more frequently? Well, I mean, James Robinson obviously is going to crush for you. It just, even if you didn't have him, one of the things that I always get when people are like, you know, you don't necessarily get the zero running back star just because you drafted zero running back. And my counter argument would just be like, yeah, and you also don't get Christian McCaffrey unless you have the 101. Yep. I mean, you don't just get to have the people that you want. And so one of the things that, that I did last year, and I, I think that is important if you're picking toward the end, is that if you chase points at running back, I think you're going to get crushed most of the time. One of the articles I wrote looked at the different pairings that you could get from running backs and wide receivers late in the first round. And based on our range of outcomes a tool, which does you know historical SIM score types of things, our win the flex tool that Blair Andrews will have ready again soon, uh, looks at 
what how players score by position uh, based on where they're drafted. And, you know, that suggested that if you went with like a Jacobs Drake or a Mixon Chubb uh, start as opposed to something with Adams Hill, Julio Hawkins, you were giving up like 100 points, yeah. right? And that, that is how it played out. And it's not necessarily that it had to play out that way. Again, if you have Michael Thomas in there, then it's not as good. But one of the things that's kind of funny is that you go back and look at like the FFPC results, and I think that the win rate for the 101 is 5.6% because those running backs just keep going down over and over. So, you know, you have to balance some of the different things that are going on here. One of the things that I think about 2021 is that a lot of the perfect storm elements that really set up to make zero running back a good approach in 2020 are there again, even though we saw these wide receivers have very good years and saw some of the top running backs go down. Uh, thankfully for those of us who want to draft zero running back, the fact that Kamara and Cook played so well, you know, balanced that out in terms of what people are looking for. And so in 2020, you had 23 running backs in the top four rounds in FFPC, and currently the running back 23 is just going right inside round four. So you have a similar sort of ADP outlook in terms of where people are drafting. And so then that makes me go back to some of the things we saw from last year, where if you were in an FFPC Superflex League and you waited until at least round seven to draft your first running back, you wanted a 14% clip. If you were in a Classic League and used one of your first two picks on tight end, and again, the, the star tight ends is a big element of this. We always want those star tight ends. They do get hurt some, but when they stay healthy, I mean, they carry your team to titles year after yeah. year after year. If you took one of them, you waited until at least round eight, you wanted a 21.9% clip. In best ball 10s, if you waited until round eight, you want it over 15%. So it's not that that's necessarily going to happen again. But if you go back and look at the win rates for zero RB, they're very, very good if you want to finish first, you know, which for most people, that is their goal. And one of the things that I get a little frustrated about when I go in and I use some of our best ball tools to look at this stuff is that the sample sizes get a little bit small when you talk about doing something like waiting until around 11, like I talked about earlier. So we can't even really look and see if that would work because nobody does it. But if you look at the things that people do do, they've been very successful. If people are, again, drafting all those running backs early, I think it's a great approach. Now, having said that, single running back is really the way that I like to do it for most draft slots now. If you can throw in that McCaffrey or Kamara or Cook pick, and then just hit wide receivers and tight ends for a long time after that, even into the double-digit rounds without another RB, then I think that gives you a lot of the elements of both things. But one of the, the things that we do see, too, is that when you add running backs in those early rounds, every additional running back knocks down your win rate. And so I just like to encourage people to you know, get that, that flexibility and that diversity through uh, across leagues, not within league where they're trying to hit that guy. Because there are running backs who have very, very high win rates, but I think you want to go after them in different leagues, not trying to use all your early picks in that same league to get that exposure. Well, that's a lot of really good information there. Um, I know that you, uh, Sean, you just touched on tight end a smidge, but we've been mostly pounding the the wide wide receiver and running back uh, positions. So, I mean, we've got quarterback and tight end. Obviously, we're not going to talk about defense because defense is defense, but... (laughs) um, as far as quarterback and tight end goes, I mean, what are your different strategies? Like for me personally, I, I focus a lot on tight ends at four for four, and I've just <clears throat> learned over the years at this point, uh, pay up for tight end. I mean, really, it's just 
it's such a wasteland. And every year we, we decide and feel like it's going to be different. And it's not, you know, um, looking last year at uh, the, the, you know, best ball 10, you know, win rates uh, for, you know, in the tight end department, basically um, the highest percentage of, of winners took their tight end in the second round, which was obviously Kelsey. And then after that, it drops, I mean, number wise, all the way down to the 10th. And then after that, it drops, I mean, number wise, all the way down to the 10th round. Obviously Kittle, you know, was, was in that same category, but ended up going down. You know, Waller was great, you know, a little bit later. I think he was a fifth or sixth rounder, but um, I'm kind of of the ilk of you either go for one of those elite or you wait because those middle guys just don't seem to pan out year after year. And I feel like, <clears throat> excuse me, in that range, like we talked about, you know, in that fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, I would so much rather grab receivers. They're going to score more points than, you know, Hunter Henry, who ends up hurt every year or, <clears throat> you know, trying to roll the dice on, you know, Hayden Hurst. So that's kind of where I stand. Um, as far as quarterbacks go, um, obviously, as we've all talked about it, it depends on your, you know, the format, what you're doing, you know, you know, whether it's redraft one quarterback versus Superflex. Last year, I found myself playing chicken too much with Superflex and, and got burnt. So I think this year, my, my strategy is going to be shift a little bit and pay a little bit more attention to quarterbacks and Superflex. Not go super early, but not play chicken until you end up with two that just don't pan out. Halal, do you have any kind of thoughts on, on the, uh, the onesie positions? Yeah, I mean, I, I always go for rushing quarterbacks. It fits my whole zero wide receiver theme to go with all Makes the sense. rushing yards I can get. Um, so, like, Jalen Hurts was, like, a huge smash right when he hit, finally. Um, and, yeah, I mean, everything we're discussing has an asterisk that says, with certain roster, you know, limits right. and certain scoring and all this stuff. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I mean... You know, if we were playing in a two wide receiver, one flex league, it changes everything versus a four mm -hmm. wide receiver, two flex league and super flex and all that. Um, so, you know, PPR versus half PPR. Um, I don't play in any points per carry leagues, you know, all that stuff. Um, you know, the Scott Fish Bowl changes everything every year. Um, and I find that if I play just one thing, it's something I'm pretty confident about. Um, any tight end premium league makes me go even deeper at tight end and totally ignore the position because you're bringing and boosting the entire position, even the bottom ones. And so the competitive advantage you get with Kelsey and Kittle still is in play with guys like Kyle Pitts or Adam Troutman who are going to blow up the league this year, you know, that kind of thing. So. <laughs> Yeah, because rookie tight ends always blow up the league. Exactly. I love yeah. that idea. It's coming. It's coming yep. this year. This is the year. I have third-year tight end problems. Like, every year <laughs> I look at third-year tight ends that haven't done anything, and I'm like, ooh, give me some Drew Sample. Ooh, Cahill Mari, <laughs> he hasn't seen the field. Give me all that. Like, it's a problem. It's a problem I have. Uh, Sean, where do uh, quarterback and tight end feel, uh, kind of fall in your strategies? Well, tight end is just it's so crucial to have those stars. And one of the things that's kind of funny – if you look at some of the FFPC Superflex results, which really actually does change up the dynamic some, even at some other positions, which you wouldn't guess, uh, it, it actually minimizes running back even a little bit more. And if you look at some of the win rates for, say, taking three tight ends in the first 10 rounds, it's kind of crazy. Uh, I think quarterback is interesting because, you know, every year there's a strong reaction to whatever happened the previous year. I won't necessarily even say overreaction because sometimes the reactions are, are things that you need to do to adjust 
to adjust your approach. You're getting new information. You want to take that information in. Quarterbacks, like Halal is talking about, you have now this potential for just really extreme scores from a handful of players, and you probably want some exposure to that. I don't know. I mean, you saw win rates from early quarterbacks that we haven't necessarily seen for a while. And now people are thinking, well, late round quarterback is done. I don't know that that's necessarily the case, but I do like to have some of that exposure. And I think that it works kind of nicely with zero running back because if you're set at the wide receiver position and you're looking at the running backs there and you're like, okay, well, the running backs we have. I mean, I love the guys from rounds 7 to 20, but just honestly, a lot of times the guys in rounds 10, 11, 15 are, are similar <laughs> to the running backs in 7, yeah. 8. So when you're looking at it right there, you don't have to force a running back pick if you just kind of like them all, don't need to have anybody, you can get some exposure to, say, a Deshaun Watson. Now, that exposure is going to be more expensive even this coming year because of what happened last year, and so we'll see how that works. But I think that one of the nice things about zero running back is it is flexible to try and get a little bit of exposure to those stars if you want to. Agree, and I'm with Halal just kind of going after the rushing production from the quarterbacks, which luckily is more and more quarterbacks now and, now and again. Um, And I'm with Jen in that... I, I'm I'm gonna be eyeing quarterbacks earlier than usual. Normally I'm like a tenth round guy, but I, I played a little too much chicken last year and the only leagues I did well in are the ones where I grabbed like Josh Allen in the fifth and sixth. So so yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. Uh hello, who are some players that you're targeting this year within uh within the zero wide receiver strategy? Uh, who's some of those mid round running backs that you're targeting? Uh mid round running backs or wide receivers? Uh, running, but well, wide receivers. I kind of assume you're. I mean, yeah. sp- you can speak to both, but I kind of yeah. assume you're you're taking the top receivers. So, kind of finding the diamonds in the rough, which I think is probably a big part of both these strategies. Uh, anyone you're eyeing specifically? Uh, so basically, anything I say now, canon will change based on ADP fluctuations, <laughs> the draft, <laughs> yada yada yada. Okay, of course. So, in case anyone wants to throw this back in my face later, um, so receipts. I did my exactly. <laughs> I did my own little um, kind of like cheat sheet um, where I kind of went through each round and picked one player that I would pick ideally, um, depending on like draft position realistically. Um, And so what round are you thinking right now when you say mid round? Well, you guys were talking uh, seventh, you know, six, yeah, seven, eighth below. round Perfect. area. Let's look at let's look in that area. Perfect. Um, So I'm still going to give uh, another uh, just I it wouldn't be a halal guest podcast if i didn't mention brandon cooks i'm gonna give him (laughs) one last chance um i i really really believe in him as an actual nfl receiver uh i think that he with the right schedule and the right everything he's gonna be fine as long as he doesn't get concussed again um and i do believe that he's one of the best receivers in the nfl and super underrated and you can get him as late as the ninth or tenth round um so he's someone i would just throw in my lineup and hope for a big play and see what happens um even like week one yeah i uh i i grew up next to oregon state university so i love hearing this i I want all the brandon cooks love (laughs) nice how about you, Sean? Anyone you're kind of targeting looking at next year? And yes, well, I did misspeak on the position there, so thank you for it's okay. answering the way I wanted you to, <laughs> even though I asked it wrong. That'd actually be a fun little role reversal thing where I'm actually the zero running back guy from now on, <laughs> and Sean's got to be zero wide receiver. Yeah, my mistake, Sean. Well, Cooks, it's interesting again, because Cooks is one of the guys I have a, will feature in an article coming out. He 
I mean, is just a spectacular value, somebody you should be loading up on in your best ball drafts. I look at these running back options here and, and kind of the funny thing a little bit like we were talking about just a second ago. You know, I look at round seven through, you know, round nine or round six through round nine, and I, I find it hard to get too excited about those guys and you know probably for good reason they're the people who are the dregs after the the real players that we want have been drafted but then getting into that next group there are a whole bunch of guys that i like tony pollard uh, gives you some receiving value and all likelihood and he's going to give you a lot of optionality uh, if things go south for ezekiel elliott as fast as it seems like they could I like Hines. Uh, I mentioned that, that team that we had that did well didn't have Robinson. What it did have was Hines and McKissick. And it's kind of funny to think those two guys could be your starters and have a ton of success. You've got Moss in there. You've got Penny, who, you know, if he could get healthy. I mean, they were saying all kinds of fantastic stuff about him at the end of the season and then not playing him. But it looks like a, a position maybe opening up there. You've got Hubbard as a sort of a dark horse, you know, breakout star rookie. Uh, Cohen, you know, if he can get healthy again, someone who at the prices you have to pay for him is almost automatic above average win rate. Uh, Harold Henderson, somebody who, you know, Acres looks like he's going to just take everything. But if, you know, all it takes is one little ding, you know, someone's toe gets messed up. And then you've got a split. Henderson looks very talented in an offense that's probably going to score a ton of points if you, if you believe in Matthew Stafford. And then Philip Lindsay, the same way, somebody who had a little bit of down season last year. And his prices compared to what you know he did in his first two seasons, and how athletic he is, and how dynamic he is compared to the competition. You know, if, if Denver gets things fixed up, if Denver has Ryan Fitzpatrick, they've got all these receivers, and then you put Lindsey in space. I mean, I was reading about him a little bit recently, and he was you know, you know trying to kind of softly bash the offensive coordinator and saying, you know, <laughs> I'm blazing fast, and you know, average over five yards per carry. You know, you can't tackle me in the open field. Why were they running me into the line last year? So, you know, maybe they'll just go out and do that again. But there are some guys with some real talent in those early double-digit rounds that I think are very exciting, especially when you put them together. You know, you just have one or two of them, and you're like, okay, well, you know, now I feel like it's very risky. You put them together as a group, and suddenly you start to feel like, okay, well, as the season progresses, these guys could be pretty exciting. Jen, uh, he said Philip Lindsay, so I know you probably have something to say. Well, I don't, you know, it's funny. We talked about this on the last pod. That was, that was one of, one of my news segments was him bashing his usage last year. I don't have anything to say about him, but I did bring my own uh, mid round guys. If you'd like to hear them. I, of course I want to hear them. Uh, I only have, I have one, I have like one of each basically. Um, I have uh, running back wise. I have Chase Edmonds. I'm a fan. I think uh, this is his year. I think that Drake will be somewhere else. And I think it's going to be a, you know, and right now he's, I think, a 10th round pick, depending on site and uh, format. But I think he's a great, you know, guy, t- guy to grab there that may end up sneaking up to, you know, RB1 slash 2 territory. Um, and then on the wide receiver side of things, um, I, have, uh, I have Tyler Boyd. I think people are kind of sleeping on him. They're going for kind of the, the shinier new T. Higgins. And I think, you know, Boyd's led the team in targets the last couple seasons. And I think he's kind of been forgotten about. Uh, and his ADP, I can't remember where it is right now, but I think he's in like the seventh or something. So I think he's someone. And then I also threw together the, just the Denver wideouts, you know, depending on what happens there at quarterback, but both Judy and Cortland Sutton are both, you know, going as eighth rounders right now. And I think they may end up outproducing that. I love it. I love it. I, Chase Edmonds he catches the ball so well too. So even if he doesn't take that job, he's still valuable. So right. the 10th round, yeah. it's great. Yep. So. 
Uh, so we're coming up on time, so we're going to cut the last segment that I was going to say, but uh, but I think this was a great conversation. Listeners, don't forget to follow Sean and Halal on Twitter, at FF underscore Contrarian and at HJChami, and check out all their excellent content. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Any final thoughts or any plugs before we go? I just that it was a blast talking with you guys. A lot of fun to, to interact with Halal and have basically all the same players, except even though we're uh, targeting completely <laughs> different strategies. And then just... I. Listeners probably know I'm not that active on Twitter, but uh, if you could listen to, if you enjoyed any of the in- information there, uh, listen to me on the Rotoviz Overtime podcast, and uh, Colin Kelly and I will have some more good stuff for you. Awesome, awesome. That's what the the, the most accurate podcast. We're bringing people together. That's what we're doing here. It's all happy. Hello, uh, <laughs> we greatly appreciate you coming on too. Any final thoughts? Anything you want to plug? Uh, as always, PlayerProfiler.com, best place to go, and FantasyFootballKing.com. So. Awesome. Thank you guys again. Listeners, we may open up the mailbag at some point, so tweet us questions. You can email me at brandon at 444.com. We'll periodically answer select questions on the podcast when we have time, so send them in. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at 2GuysBrandon and at the Monday Mommy. Thank you so much, and have a good day.